0: save
1: the queen. Hello and welcome back to Pod save the queen. There are three of us in this podcast today, and a special guest as well. So I'm your host, Anne Gripper. Welcome back to Royal Editor Russell Myers. Nice to see you, Russell. Hello. And welcome back to Zoe Forsey, online lifestyle editor at The Mirror. Um, and it's clearly been a long time since we had her on because when she joined the call, she said, Blimey, Russell, your hair's big. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think we can all agree with. Zoe, it's very nice to have you back. <laughs> Hello.
2: Yeah, and sorry, Russell, that was potentially slightly rude, but it is, no. it is
1: looking very impressive.
0: Thank you, I'm getting very it's used to it maybe a politer way to
1: yeah. say <laughs> <Yeah>. well, <laughs> Charlotte Jane Henry on Instagram Says, love your, co- your podcast And you look gorgeous, thank you Charlotte And thanks to everybody else who made nice comments About my ascot dress, it's definitely a way To make a girl feel good, so thank you for that <laughs> Russell is looking less like Michael Bublé The longer the hair gets Smiley face, I don't know whether this is a good thing Or a bad thing
0: I'll take that I'd, well, I take well, I take, take the fact that I may have looked like him at one point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> probably don't now, which is you know, which is quite tragic.
1: Anyway, <laughs> the- she, she says you're finally in her good books for recognising Sophie Wessex for the brilliant work that she does. So, well,
0: here, here, yes. No, I think I, we've had a lot of uh, comments about that um, on you know whether it's via the pod or on Twitter. Lots of people are waiting to see more coverage of Sophie's work, which is uh, which. We- you know, getting getting a lot more, uh, lot more of a show in, hasn't it?
1: It has. Although I don't think we're going to be talking too much about her this week because we've got a lot of other things to talk about. It will be very much worth checking out our Instagram picture from this week, as Zoe has accidentally come as <laughs> the logo. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent work. Yeah, so I going- caught
2: with the T-shirt, but it wasn't until Russell just pointed out the headband looking a bit like the crown that I realised I'd gone, I'd
1: gone full on well Sorry. We've, we've black, <laughs> no, no this is excellent work so, <laughs> pictures on Instagram and the, and the Twitter and everywhere the Royals sharing pictures again we've had some more lovely new pictures for Father's Day and William's birthday so there's that really nice picture of William with his dad and the picture with the kids as well for Father's Day and I don't know just the, whole, the whole lot is thoroughly lovely
3: we have
0: been spoiled, haven't we? Uh, you know, a selection of pictures of the Cambridges, um, William and the children looking very, very relaxed at uh, in Sandringham. I mean, it's yeah, it's been it's been great, and Kate's been doing a lot more of them over the last few months, and and it seems that this this is part of the the norm of royal life now. That when there's sort of a big moment a birthday or anniversary type uh, event that she she'll get behind the camera and you know speaking to our good good friend ian vogler as i do uh, regularly checking in on him throughout the lockdown um he was pre- pretty impressed with them as well he said that they were some of kate's best shots uh, so she's obviously getting better and better she's she's particularly modest whenever she's asked about her uh photography exploits but um yeah they are they are getting they are improving and i think everyone loves seeing them they, they drip fed a couple of them out then they did the, sort of the day later they put another image of the set didn't they Zoe? they put extra um, pile on yeah there was the a end, third was
2: one proper proper bundle one wasn't it like which was really nice i think that was my favorite one actually it was lovely i think yeah, everyone's got great. a different
0: word for
1: that is, is it a pile on is it a pile bundle on, bundle
0: it's what we normally do in school lockers yeah yeah i was gonna say
1: bundle just is like school field like the first time <laughs> you allowed <were laughs> back on the sun like in
0: summer and everyone just used to run didn't they so we were very spoiled very
1: spoiled so is there anything that caught your eye in the the pictures in particular I really loved well Charlotte's uh, dungarees I thought were gorgeous they're so cute with the little
2: um, they had the uh, animals on didn't they there was the flamingo and the um, zebra which was really lovely um, and also they're sitting on the swing, which is featured in a few of the pictures. I think it was one of George's birthday photos from a few years ago now, that they were sitting on the swing, which was actually a wedding present to Kate and William. Um, and it's engraved the date of their wedding in. So it's really nice. I love it when they do pictures. And like I said, we've seen a few over the years. and I just think it's really special that it's got, um, it's got William and Catherine engraved on it. And I just think it's really lovely to have that, you know, oh. to see their growing family on this swing. Um, it must be it really
1: sweet. It must be some seriously constructed swing work as well to have. I mean, I know the kids are still relatively small, but still, all the same, yeah. to have William <laughs> plus all the three children on there. I was just like, oh, what is that held up by? And yes, then, then, very true. <laughs> I think people have been commenting on um, Princess Charlotte as well, being that people are always looking for who who's the spitting image of who and all this kind of thing. And um, so is it the Queen or is it is it, um, is it Catherine and and different things so that's always fun but I think I think actually it was the picture of William and Charles that I thought was particularly I don't know interesting or different I guess we're kind of used to seeing the pictures with the children and that picture of William and his dad I thought it showed their relationship in actually quite a different light to what we normally see yeah, that's yeah, that, really lovely.
0: That was, do you know what it reminded me of? What was that engagement? I think it was at the, the one of the uh, military base for, for injured um, service personnel that uh, Charles, Camilla, um, William and Kate went to, sort of maybe around the middle of last year. And they had this particular closeness where they were shooting hoops while sitting in a wheelchair. In the, in the in the gym, and there was a lot made of, uh, a lot made of sort of the closeness of Charles and William's relationship, and how you don't really see that that softer side to them, especially Charles and William. And and this photograph encapsulated all of that. And and I think you know, reading between the lines and and and, and from hearing about their relationship over the last couple of years which has been quite fractious within the family they they have got a lot closer uh, and I think that that photograph absolutely demonstrated that perfectly.
1: I think it also sort of shows that change that you have in your sort of well the kind of age that we are at when your parents are getting older and the sort of the balance of who's looking after who changes a bit somehow and sort of you know yeah. William is taller than his Bad. you know, he's kind of whole looking after him. And Charles looks like he's kind of falling around a bit. And it's almost like someone said to, you know, or Charles has said, Oh, Kate, I'm going to pretend to be you and this sort of cuddles, <laughs> cuddles up on William like that.
2: That was that was the thing that I noticed actually first off, obviously, you know, was it's the height difference. I forget how tall Prince William is. Um, but we see the two of them together. You, yeah, there's I a real think, difference
0: there, isn't there? Al- almost. I mean, I, I remember even before I'd done any jobs with Charles, I I always assumed he was a lot taller than he is. He's not. He's not particularly that tall. But but and William is is very very tall. William's probably like six two. Um, I've just I've
2: just looked actually. I've just googled it. William six, six three two? apparently. 6'3", three. Oof, yeah, six three. Close. Good guess. Uh,
0: um, so, I mean, yeah, but so yeah, I I just I just loved it. I thought it was to- totally different that it shows the the softer side of them. They've obviously been speaking an awful lot, like we spoke last weekend about the dynamic between them and about how William, especially, has led this lift and shift to the digital world and how Charles and William had been speaking quite a lot about how they will then take the family forward, not only in sort of a COVID world under lockdown, not being able to get out on engagement and the two of them have really pushed this um this notion of one must be seen to be believed that the family has to be and uh and carried it off perfectly and so their relationship i think is probably as strong as ever and that probably goes you know even further back than the sandringham summit where they were you know making all the decisions of how to take the family forward and and not only is it sort of a business partnership that you often forget that they are father and son as well, and not only are they in charge of the monarchy, but they've they've got a really, really sweet relationship
1: so a couple of questions uh, not questions comments from our Instagram followers so Moms at the Bar says that is adorable my best vintage life podcast shout out podcast fellow podcasters I don't know why but this made me emotional and Princess Piffler, I love this picture I think that Prince Charles has unfortunately been outshone by Diana it seems that he and his sons are pretty loving but he does not broadcast it about lovely picture humour and closeness so anyway happy birthday to Prince William for the weekend um and because it is his birthday we're going to put a little bit more of a spotlight on some of the work that he has been doing for actually actually really quite a long time now um zoe do you want to tell us about the interview that you did recently yes so i caught
2: up with uh shayi obakin who is the ceo of centerpoint which was prince williams well who Prince William is a patron of. It was actually his first patronage that he took on uh, when he was in his early 20s. And um, So he the two have been working together over the years, you know, really closely, kind of both at public events and also behind the scenes at private visits as well. So I just had a, a quick catch up with him to find out what it's really like to work with Prince William and what the kind of, the side that we don't really get to see of him is really like. So let's have a listen to that now. Hello, yes, I am joined today by Sheyi Obakin, who is the Chief Executive, Executive Offer from Centerpoint. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hello, how are you? I'm
3: very well, thank you, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
2: Good, so the reason that we are gonna have a chat today is because we want to find out um, a bit more about what you guys do. Obviously, Prince William is uh, your patron and he does lots of work with your amazing charity. So what we want to do is just kind of find out a bit more about uh, what you guys do and also his involvement and what you know his his role brings to you as an organization. So first off because you can describe it a lot better than I can, can you please just tell our listeners a little bit more about what Centre Point does?
3: Well centre point is about helping young people, especially those who have found themselves homeless, to have a job and a home. And that means that they've beaten homelessness once and for all. In a nutshell, that's what we do. Now we do lots of different things to help them make that happen. We give them a place of safety. We inspire them. We motivate them. We train them. We give them formal education if that's what's needed. We look after their health, including their mental health, which a lot of young people do uh, have challenges with. And then we help them to make their way back into further education or jobs. And once they can earn money, they don't have to be homeless again. So CenterPoint is all about helping those young people who found themselves homeless to have a job at home.
2: Okay, fantastic. And so how did Prince William become involved in in your work and what you guys do?
3: Well, Prince William uh, visited uh, Centrepoint and a number of other homelessness charities in London with his late mother, the Princess of Wales. So uh, he was introduced to this problem early in his life. Now, he became patron of Centrepoint in September 2005 when he was only 23 years old himself, uh, the same age as many of the young people that Centrepoint supports. And that means he's been committed to this issue now for nearly 15 years. In fact, uh, Centrepoint was Prince William's first patronage. And a further reflection of his commitment to the issue is that he uh, has now also taken up patronage of The Passage.
2: Okay, but wow, so that's, that's such a long time that he's been involved in, in your work then, and he must have seen lots of changes in the organisation over that time. And It's also really lovely as well that, as you said, it's something that he had involvement in when he was a child through mm. you know, through Diana. And how? What was it like for you guys as a charity then when you found out that he wanted to kind of follow in his mother's footsteps and to to kind of carry on her work in raising awareness through, you know, of homelessness?
3: We were over the moon delighted. Uh, uh, The Princess of Wales, uh, Diana, was uh, our patron for many years, and then. Um, We had several years after she passed on uh, when we didn't have a patron at all. So it was a a great feeling for us that Prince William wanted to carry on. And I think it it says something uh, about an incredible testament to his mother's legacy that he wanted to be patron of Central Point and remain involved in finding a way through homelessness.
2: Okay, fantastic. So, so tell me a bit more. What, what does a patron do? What does his role within the charity look like?
3: Well, um, I can put that in, I would say, probably three strands, actually. The first one is learning about the issue. Uh, I know that Prince William spends a lot of time doing this, and I'm certain he knows more now about homelessness than most people who don't spend all their working life dealing with it. So he he spends a lot of time. He learns about it, not just by reading up, but also by getting his hands dirty, meeting people who have been affected by uh, homelessness and those that are helping them. You may recall uh, that he actually joined me for a night, a very cold night, I might say of rough sleeping a few years ago. And that was part of his, his learning that night we had a road sweeper nearly running over our legs. I'd say, what a way to learn about how vulnerable rough sleepers are. So I think the first thing is that he uh, spent a lot of time learning about it. The second one is that he is an advocate for the issue. I know that he genuinely wants to end homelessness, especially youth homelessness. And he has a voice and a convening capacity that most of us We'll never have. And I think it is to his immense credit that he's happy to use that for the benefit of homeless people. And I, for one, am grateful that he does that. And then the third one, I would say, is challenge. In his own way, which is light, touch, but firm, he challenges us to do better and to do more. And then he supports us to do it. For example, three years ago, he helps to establish the Center point helpline. Uh, and that helpline is one for all homeless people, wherever they might be in the country. And then he turned up to launch it, taking the first call. And the interesting thing is that, you know, he took that first call from a young person who uh, had been sleeping rough in freezing cold temperature. And the Duke was so moved by that call that he has to be kept informed of that young person's progress so that's the third way in which actually he is involved so i think it's about learning about advocacy uh uh, and about challenge
2: okay and obviously another one of the big things that he does is there's the official visits that he does where he goes to the centers and kind of sees different projects that you guys are working on and but there's also, he does lots of private visits as well, doesn't he? What's what's the difference between those two types of visits? What does he maybe, you know, what do you get from a private visit that maybe you don't get when obviously they come with all the cameras and the well wishes and everything else?
3: Well, you have to remember that um, we are working with some of the most vulnerable young people uh, in the country. So, you know, a public visit with uh, flashing lights and cameras and and so on and so forth. It's not the best time uh, for young people to open up, and that's what private visits can do. Private visits are when he takes time to really listen and understand what homeless people need, uh, what they're going through, what they require, and you know he does that in all kinds of ways. He, he comes and he uh, chats with, with with young people. Uh, because at that, that's when he's able really to motivate and inspire on a one-to-one basis and then encourage young people to reach out to, you know, go for whatever wherever their talents might take them. I mean, think about it. Imagine you are a young person and you find yourself cooking, eating, and chatting with Prince William in private. Imagine mm-hmm. what that does. For you uh, you know to just to motivate you, knowing also that actually, in three months' time in six months' time, you might be asking how you 're getting on that 's hugely powerful and inspiring uh, private visit I time when you know he volunteers to, to get things done. I remember a time when you know he came to us sat volunteered to work with young people, chatted to them about. Their situation, reviewing their personal development plans, helping them to sort out their housing benefit claims and find permanent accommodation. That's what happens in a private uh, visit. Uh, and you know, he does follow through. He must meet thousands of people every year, Prince William. And yet, he has this incredible capacity to remember those he's met and ask after them several months later. Look, I can only say that we're lucky to have to have him in our corner. You know, in those private visits, at times when traumatized and vulnerable people are freer in his presence. There are no cameras there, there are no journalists there. They're not worrying about whether what they say might end up in the newspapers. And Prince William has an incredible gift talent for putting people at ease. And I have seen him chatting i've seen young people chatting to him like old friends within minutes i don't think many people can do that
2: no that really is quite incredible isn't it that's such a skill to have and that you hear so much about him of lots of people saying that he's just kind of yeah just his kind of openness and you know his thing that's fantastic and um, mm. and so he obviously cares so much obviously we we don't see um the um, events that You, our listeners, will see in the paper, on news websites, on social media, are the um, kind of public visits. Uh, But what's he like? You know, it's obviously something that he's very, very passionate about. You can see that even in the the public events he goes to. You can see he's so passionate about it. What is he like when he visits the centres as a person?
3: So I think the most powerful thing when he visits as a person is that. It can be so informal and easy to get on with. Now, if you are a young person, often what happens is, um, you don't even know that he's coming anyway. Then he arrives and, um, you hear Prince William is here. Uh, uh and the first thing that can happen to you is you, you can get quite nervous. You can climb up. Um, you you're you're lost for words uh, and you know his own informality helps young people to break that down and then actually he can have great conversations with young people that are really helpful to them i think that i have to say is an incredible thing that he's able you know to do that it must be in a private domain I, in, the, in the public domain already i was at an event with him several years ago. I hissed that I, this is several years ago. Uh, and he met this young person, and this young person had, uh, he knew he was, she knew he was coming, and she had completely clamped up, and she couldn't get her words out, out. Um, uh, and the, the young person is a little short, and Prince William is quite tall. Uh, uh, the prince, you know, bent down and whispered something, into the ears of this young person, and it was like a floodgate. <laughs> just started talking and, and couldn't stop. That's, you know, that's, that's what it's, it's like. Um, and sometimes, you know, young people don't even know that he's there. I've had a young person while he was doing some work volunteering said to him before, well, you do look like somebody famous you look like Prince William. <laughs> uh, and he said, yeah, 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 other people have said that to me before. And he's carried on. Oh, that's yeah, brilliant. That, that's the way, that that's how he can so easily connect with people. It's absolutely amazing.
2: Oh, fantastic. No, it sounds brilliant. And so just kind of uh, to finish off with then, and um, obviously the, the, COVID pandemic has changed everyone's lives completely. How has it changed the work that the, you know, has it changed the charity's work and also how has Prince William been involved in this?
3: Well, you know, the the first impact, of course, uh, that uh, COVID has had on us as a charity is funding. Uh, We are a fundraising charity. We depend a lot on the goodwill and the generosity of the public. Uh, and the cancellation of events uh, that might bring people together through which we raise funds uh, has been challenging for us. And, you know, without the funds, we can't really reach out to young people. So that's one uh, difficulty that we've had. The other one is actually providing safety for our staff. It's quite hard to uh, do the work we do with social distancing. That's not so easy. Having the right protective equipment to make people feel safe coming to work uh, has been a challenge for us, and it it is a continuing challenge. And then keeping young people safe. We we have thousands of young people that we're responsible for, and through this period, we've um, worked really hard to keep them safe, to protect them from the virus, to help them when they've had to uh, self-isolate, to look after them when they have been unwell. So uh, these have been some of the challenges that uh, we faced. Uh, and uh, the second part of your question is about how uh, the Duke has been helpful. Look, he very early on, he, the, the Prince William understood that we, we will face some of these challenges, and he's been an encouraging voice to us. He's reached out to all of our staff, for instance, to encourage them. He's reached out to young people uh, during, during this time. So um, he, he has been involved in helping to encourage and to motivate and to continue to inspire young people to uh, uh, reach out for a job and a home, even despite the pandemic.
2: that's fantastic and it's it's great to see that you guys have been able to carry on helping people even in these even in these awful kind of difficult circumstances but thank you so much for having a chat with me today and um, I really appreciate it and um, if anyone would like to find out more about centrepoint and the work they're doing the website is centrepoint.org.uk and they're also on instagram facebook and twitter so there's lots of information out there you can find out and um, everything you want about what they're doing and also uh, prince william's role But yeah, thank you very much for your time Um, and it was lovely to chat to you. Thank you.
1: I have to say, Zoe, I really enjoyed listening to that conversation earlier today, ahead of recording, and I just think it's so nice. So often, you know, the royals are talking about the amazing work that the organisations they're supporting are doing, and actually hearing from the organisation side, getting a chance for them, yeah, to, you know, the work that they do, it really does make a difference. They are they are special people, and you know, the little bits of stories, you know, Prince the, the street cleaners nearly running over Prince William's legs on the night yeah. <laughs> he was out sleeping rough to get that experience and and that ability to bring people into the conversation when they when they were feeling nervous about it you know that kind of the, whatever it was that he secretly whispered to someone when yeah it enabled them to talk and join the
2: made all the difference exactly I think it's very easy for you know kind of us and also fans to kind of we see the public events we see them going to a charity you know dressed in a suit or you know kind of cape wearing a nice dress and just to see them say hi to people have that chat and think they just get in the car and then never think anything of it but obviously that isn't the case at all and they do have really strong relationships with these charities the majority of which we never hear about so yeah it was really interesting actually finding out a bit more about that so yes thank you very and thank you again
1: very much for chatting to us Shay it was lovely to catch up that lasting connection is something I find really fascinating as well actually because they meet so many so many people and choosing who they manage to retain those ties with as someone who was always an absolutely terrible pen pal with all of the yeah. people that I was fed <laughs> at, at school so every time it would start with I'm really sorry this letter is so late yeah. <laughs> um, which I must, I must just say as well apologies we are late with our homework Russell has definitely had a barbecue and this time is definitely going to send us a picture I will text, I
0: will send, a post. Post on I will Instagram. send the evidence I'll send the and I know
1: last week I promised that there was an episode coming up um, about Prince Andrew, interview with Nigel Cawthorn. It is is coming very soon. We've just had a a couple of other things that we need to uh, tidy up around the edges. So that is coming. Watch this space. But anyway, lasting connections with with the people that they come across in their work and then also that dedication to some of their core charities. I think we've seen again this week in the Royal Family's work around children's hospice week with kate's promise to plant a sunflower for a nine-year-old boy who died you know there's just like things that they take into their own lives through their
0: work yeah this this was particularly sweet actually and as you as you mentioned it is children's hospice week here in the uk um Kate and Camilla, uh, as, as as part of the the week, they were speaking to, um, to representatives of children's hospices, and one of the the, the calls was with a 13 year old called Stewie Delf. Now he's hit the headlines in recent weeks because he was running uh, 5k every day last month to on well in memory of his nine year old brother Fraser, who sadly died in January at a hospice, and. Little Stewie managed to raise in excess of eighteen thousand pounds, and Kate had this really lovely exchange with him. And she's, you know, she said, "Obviously, I've heard you've been doing a lot of fundraising. That's absolutely amazing." And 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 Stewie told her that it, the, 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 his inspiration behind this was because of hundred-year-old um, fundraiser Captain Sir Tom, uh, our favourite on this
1: show.
0: <laughs> so you know. All, Throughout this whole process of COVID and lockdown, there's, there has been these really, really heartwarming stories. Often, unfortunately, through, through tragedy as well, or, or certainly marred a lot of them by tragedy. And she was um, the two judges. obviously spoke to his his parents, Stuart and Carol Parlour rather um, from uh, you know the family from from Cambridgeshire, and the reps from the children's hospice in uh, in um, South West and Helen and Douglas House. Both of which that Camilla is a patron of, uh, and also Kate is a patron of each, which is the East Angular Children's Hospices. Which she, um, I imagine, you know, she, she's done an awful lot of things with in the future. Um, and she said to Stewie that she would plant a sunflower in memory of his brother. And I think that sometimes it's these small, random acts of kindness that certainly kate has been speaking about recently we had the assembly that she did last week with the the children online and, and one of the focuses of that was was kindness and and maybe what we can do to take a step back once we're sort of emerging from this crisis at the moment but but also think about the things that have have been um you know important to us since since we've uh, since we haven't been living in a normal world
1: One thing I particularly liked about that video actually was Camilla who seemed, she seemed really sort of comfortable and at ease in that conversation and the way she talked actually really honestly about how she was a little bit worried about going to visit a children's hospice for the first time and how, you know, anticipating what the sort of experience like would be going there, you know, obviously it's a very there are children there who are who are dying or seriously ill and you would expect it to you know you would expect it to be a very difficult place to be but essentially she went there and found that the warmth and the care and the love that is shown actually made it a really inspirational place really and you could see how much the work that these organized organizations do means we to- remember
0: it. You remember a couple, couple few weeks ago I was speaking about Sophie's work she's patron of the shooting star children's hospice which which a, again very sadly was having to um, think about alternative ways of fundraising which again a lot of these hospices and charities all over the country uh, are having to do because of the effects of COVID because of the effects of shutting down things like the London Marathon which is a massive fundraising event for for these charities um, and the the tireless work of people who work for these charities to make sure that they are safe comfortable welcoming environments for all not only the you know the children um who are staying there but also their families um you must not be underestimated and, and the fact that they have had to keep on going even when the country and the world has come to a standstill um so i i think we will see a lot more of the royals doing some doing things like this whether it's highlighting charity appeals or getting getting to go to hospices or you know places where um which really really need the attention and 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 to have a light sh- sh- shone upon the work that they're doing because now they need our support more than ever
1: so just a quick mention for Camilla and a shout out for her and if you are listening to this before Saturday the, what will it be, 20, 20th of June? Something around there? What day it is? What month it is? We've 20,
0: 20, 24th, no. I was going to say,
1: I think you're... I think you're. <laughs> oh yeah, that was last <laughs> week. Anyway. So the last, the last Saturday in June uh, Camilla is talking about domestic violence which we know is something that um, is a particular focus for her and has been sort of in recent months for the women of the world festival which has got like Julia Gillard and various other interesting people talking at it and um, there's also Sophie Wessex last week she she delivered a speech to the UN around um, issues related to women as well so shout out to those two ladies putting important focus on interesting and difficult issues so also, back to coronavirus sort of we're sort of kind of coming out into a little bit of real life and we know when we can go to the pub which is very exciting (laughs) we probably won't be going to the pub together because we all live in pretty much opposite corners of london we are aren't
0: we we are all sort of spread about north south, yeah Yeah. very impractical
1: but you know last week Last week, this week, oh dear, spacetime space-time continuum. It's me that's struggling. Andy, you are yeah, you're struggling with your days here, Too aren't
0: you? <laughs> have you? Have you been <laughs> to the pub already?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah oh, you, should, you got a secret only, somewhere. Oh, you're getting your <laughs> revenge. Anyway, last week, I'm pretty sure it was last week to highlight that you know pe- everything was going back to work and change. We saw William and Kate out at the shops.
0: Yes, oh, is this is really I mean, is lovely. It, you know, we we are emerging from a lockdown COVID world and this is why you know some people say why do we have the royal family and it's some um, and it's instances like this not only going to you know hospices or raising profile of charities but it's actually to get messages across and this is particularly important now obviously the cambridges are still in uh in norfolk they've chosen not to to send the kids especially well charlotte who whose class has uh has gone back they are going to stay in norfolk for for the foreseeable future and as part of that they have been getting out visiting local businesses um, uh, and trying to raise the profile of the fact that local shops are open, and they definitely need our custom um, because furlough schemes are going to end. Shops need the business; they need to, they need to try and have a really really good summer. And uh, and and it's often the local shops um, that 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 need the help. And and certainly people's shopping habits have changed. but Potentially, people have been doing uh, more online whilst they've been uh, locked down, but. Um, now it's all about trying to get the business, the high streets packed, and William was popping into a bakery, and, uh, and Kate was popping into a garden center, and we saw like quite a, you know two really nice interactions on the both jobs. William was sort of speaking about um, you know trade and about opening up high streets and supporting local businesses. He was buying a few chocolate croissants for his kids.: Hano
1: and- chocolat.
0: Panels chocolate uh, <laughs> and say so he would be in, uh, in deep trouble if he didn't come back with enough he, although what did he, he, he couldn't get enough so he had to buy how I many there's three, well, there's five of them isn't there so he bought four Panels chocolate and one normal costume I wonder who yeah, got the short straw yeah we've got to start
2: with the boring one <laughs>
0: <laughs> but then um, and... and then Kate was at a garden centre and you know she was speaking about which I think we've seen a lot more and she's been quite open about you know things that they've been doing with the kids whether it's building dens or the challenges of homeschooling and she said that the children love planting they love coming to the garden centres and I think you know obviously it w- lockdown would have been a struggle for for a lot of families and and they have recognized those struggles when speaking to families and people been shielding or teachers um especially people with homeschooling but i think hopefully for for certain families it will have brought them closer together and i think the cambridges have demonstrated that that by maybe not necessarily worrying about the schooling too much but concentrating on things that you can do like getting out building dens going for walks uh you know, planting going to garden centres. So hopefully um, others will have had a positive positive experience. And and Kate was full of praise for sort of the economy getting going as well. And um and just the central message of get out there, support your local shops and support your local businesses.
1: So are you a bakery girl or a garden centre girl? Oh, baker- bakery, me, for me, always
2: bakery. My housemate is a huge fan of gardening. So our house is filled with house plants that I just don't touch for fear of, I think I'll probably kill them all immediately. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> We've we, As soon as the bakery's opened, like this time, I, I did go down there and buy one. It was lovely. <laughs> Went back and bought cakes again. Um, but one of the things that I really liked about this visit, which is something that I found quite relatable, is when William got his bank card out to pay and did, you know, contactless payments as we're all being asked to do but he had the same kind of he said he had the same panic I'm like, well i hope it still works because i haven't actually used like a real card i've been you know doing everything ordering online but i haven't actually done a payment but it did go through because that would have been fun i it... think some
0: people were even surprised that you, you know sometimes you don't think that they do shopping but or that have yeah. cards or how they pay for things certainly I've always laughed at, I remember seeing a video, I can't, can't exactly where I remember it is off the top of my head, but it was on the documentary and Charles was walking through a market in somewhere like Papua New Guinea and he was just saying, you know, can I buy that? Can I buy that? Can I buy that? And not giving yeah. money on it. <laughs> yeah. sometimes, you know, we we do often think that they don't buy things themselves. But Kate's pretty good at that. She has she has um, gone to the shops. Even that she'd said that when, you know, she'd been out to the shops, she, she felt that people's attitudes had changed and that they are sort of scared of that interaction and they keep their head down i suppose when when she's out and about people probably notice her fairly regularly uh and then a sort of starstruck a little bit but um there were people in the garden center who sort of walked past her and didn't bat an eyelid so (laughs) so
1: excited to get some
0: plants again that they're just complete
1: focus on
0: things are are very very
1: (laughs) Our garden Um, center was very long when it reopened the other week so, yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Exciting time! <laughs> Exciting and time the time.
2: other quote, really quickly, that I really liked was that William said, kind of another insight um, of what they've been doing in lockdown. But William said that the kids had been attacking the kitchen <laughs> in terms of laughing, which just gave me a great image of like, you know, a flower chaos. On every chaos a complete yeah. chaos with three kids at that age, who desperately wanted to get involved and stir and do things that sounds okay. like a lot of fun.
1: The rounds are well, not fun game. if you're doing it. Not fun
2: if yeah.
0: you're clearing up. I guess. All a nightmare.
1: The rounder, yeah. who gets to lick the bowl when this yeah that was it wasn't it <laughs> and there was a message from the queen as well um the last line of which i'll share which was i wish all businesses every success in their endeavors in the weeks and months ahead and hear here to that um harry and megan they have sent a little letter to one of the organisations that they've um, they've been following, Street Games, which helps young people in disadvantaged areas. Um, but it wasn't necessarily just the letter itself that that caught the eye and their sort of support for um, support for their works. I think there were some people commenting that they were still using their their official I don't know what's it called crest monogram. Well, the the thing is, the
0: monogram, but using the the crown at the top of it, which is obviously been quite controversial. And and I see today there's a story knocking around that they are um they are suing a picture agency, uh, which snapped pictures of Megan walking with Archie. Remember the pictures where she's walking down the woods with the uh, protection officers behind her. Um, you know, it's quite a, a big thing at the time because whether she knew about the photographers who were in in uh, in in the park or sort of woodland where she was photographed, whilst they were in Canada,
1: is that those first pictures that we saw where she had Archie in the baby carrier?
0: Yeah. So these these pictures they were taken by um, uh, an agency, and now it has emerged that the uh, the Duchess of Sussex is um, is uh, is suing the agency. Now the, the issue here is that it's not necessarily her suing the agency; it's actually. The high court writ as claims that the snaps that were taken in canada have breached archie's privacy now th- this will be very very interesting because not only could you not see archie in the photographs i think everybody remembered them he was sort of in the baby papoose or baby carrier front end baby carrier she had the two dogs she's staring directly into the camera and smiling now that could have been a coincidence i think a lot of people at this time thought that or would be forgiven for thinking that she knew the photographers were there they saying they weren't they were you know they were hiding in plain sight um so so i don't know how this will go that the the agency is saying that they will vehemently you know dispute these claims but the high court writ writ claims that archie's in quotes private information was misused and then these were taken in, in, uh, in a park in Vancouver Island in January. But what most interesting, I think, on top of the, the monogram, the crown thing, is the High Court writ, uh, which has been filed by their, their uh, very expensive lawyers, is, is, has been brought in the names of Master, Master Archie Harrison, Mountbatten Windsor, and the Duchess of Sussex, HRH. Now, this may not be a problem for, you know, uh, in terms of filing the writ but I think a lot of people have an issue with it because they've been told they can't use their HR rates. They've been told they shouldn't, you know, or they agreed that they wouldn't be using it. So why now is it in these documents? Now, it, I don't know specifically, but it may be, um, you know, it might, it might be just a style or a title thing. And, and, and certainly they are still HRHs. And you arguably you could say that it relates to uh, private business ventures. However, I think... This will ruffle a few feathers, not only because the actual way that the pictures looked. You know, I I I I I'm, I'd be very very interested to see um, what the what the result is.
1: And they've got a few other things to untangle as well with their initial trademark bid on Archwell being knocked back as well. So they've got to get a bit more definition around that. Well, it
0: and- does. It seems like they haven't done the due diligence on a lot of things here, and the Archwell thing is 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 particularly interesting as well because they had obviously filed a lot of trademarks, over 100 trademarks to do with Sussex Royal, um, and obviously that had to be scrapped. And now they're, they're trying to do the same with Archwell, which is, which is purely reasonable. It's, it's down to licensing, protecting the brand, or indeed the, uh, the intellectual property of the, of, of the charity. Um, but you know they've had a lot of time on their hands, and, and you would think that they would be crossing the t's and dotting it all the i's on that. And the uh, the commissioner's office in the state has said that the uh, the paperwork wasn't up to scratch. So I think they've got until some date in August to uh, to get it to get it sorted. Um, but yeah, it just seems that I mean I've spoken about this before that they're. They had huge plans. They were going to uh, try and hit the ground running, and and essentially, they're, they're, all those plans are up in smoke now. It's debatable whether they will actually diversify their, um, you know, what they want to do. Whether they will now diversify their attention to the Black Lives Matter movement to to do more with with climate change and to other groups who um, who they may not have thought about working with previously. Um, but who knows when we're going to see them? Um, so. I suppose, what's his space, right?
1: Yeah, and there's another mention for Prince Harry over the weekend um, on something which in some ways seems frivolous, but at the same time is also really important, which is, so the England, he's a huge England rugby fan. And and the patron. And the patron. And uh, the RFU have said that England's sort of, uh, the, the song that is most associated with the England rugby team is Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. But obviously, in the light of all of the Black Lives Matter um, awareness raising, the origins of that song have become more in focus. It was written in the mid-19th century by Wallace Willis, who was a black American slave. So that, that is all being reviewed. And... Harry is sort of supporting that that song should no longer be sung. However, this is where the, the kind of origins and things moving on, it's just, it's all really interesting. I never knew why England rugby fans started singing that song. And it's because of a player called Martin Afire, who was yeah. really, really quick. Yeah. So they called him Chariots Afire. Chariots,
0: Chariots fire. Martin Afire, yeah.
1: That's the classic thing that sports fans do they just make a funny name for people and then they find something that that goes with it and he's he says so martin afire is um is a a tremendous rugby player played rugby union and rugby league i think black winger super fast just like awesome i used to watch him a lot when i was growing up on the telly and he was like one of my favorites because he was so quick and scored so many tries but he's just like you know I, it, he's not in favor of the ban so it's the, it, the, we've talked about it a little bit previously on the show those kind of cultural questions that we've got at the moment of reviewing reviewing how things are and do we keep things as they are or do we change them and and i know
0: it's i think it's listen it's, it's up for debate isn't it the rfu of which harry is 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 patron the rugby football union has has obviously said that that a lot of conversations around the black lives matter movement race uh, the his, his britain's history essentially of uh, and it, and its uh, and its role in the slave trade needs to be examined and and i think that nobody would would dispute that however when it it is um it, you know being d- d- discussed of coming into the sporting arena as we have seen with the football coming back this week with a lot of the players taking the knee before the games, none of their shirts have got their names on anymore, or until the end of the season, they've got Black Lives Matter and the NHS badges. So, you know, the, the, we're already crossing the political divide. But I think on that sense, it's a, it's a human rights issue. And and I think that it, it becomes part of the conversation that is right for it to be made. Um, I mean it's, it's quite strong that Martin of Fire didn't didn't want it banned, but I think that the RFU are saying that there needs to be sensible conversations around it. And why they wouldn't strike an out outright ban, they want to educate um the fans around singing those particular lyrics. Now, Boris Johnson has said most people don't know the words apart from the, essentially the chorus. Um, but again, that and so therefore he wouldn't support a ban. But but I think that that then supports the notion of Education and people should actually, if you're going to sing something or or to have, um, you know, an affiliation with something like that, then you really need to understand the the, the traditional context that it's um, that it's from. Um, so yeah, I mean. It's 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 just a political issue, isn't it? Harry's getting s- slammed on both sides for, for for saying whether he should have um, had an opinion on it, but it's it's something that is is being widely discussed.
1: And it, it's good that the discussions are happening. Let's face it, and I think of course, the, yeah, the uh, the players taking the knee at the start of the games and the match officials as well. I think it's actually been after the whistle has been blown, so it has been even more sort of a demonstration of. Of um, it's had even more impact togetherness,
0: yeah. Impact yeah, togetherness.
1: but yeah. the issue and the the problems that we do still have to face and work through, and awareness that actually there is a long way to go, is you know there was one of the matches this week where someone had hired a plane to fly over at the same time with a message of "White Lives Matter," and that is the you know there is this kind of. There are people who don't understand why this is an issue and that's why these conversations need to keep happening so that people do understand the kind of the full impact and the background and we have to we have to work on on understanding and and making making the world a better place for everyone i think is something that we can all hope for um so you mentioned as well russell when we were when we were looking ahead to this that prince charles had delivered a message um for Windrush day
0: yeah, I mean, this is Prince Charles has been busy actually. I mean, he's he's he made a a very very emotional speech about Windrush Day, uh, and Windrush Day was on Tuesday uh, in the UK, um, and it's paying tribute to the generation um, of uh, Black Caribbean british people that came well answered the call to come to britain after after the second world war and rebuild the country and, and charles quite rightly praised uh, and i'm quoting him for their profound and permanent contribution to british life you know he was speaking about the depth of depth of gratitude the nation owes them and their families not only the, the people who came over um on, on, uh, you know, to Britain at the time, but also the the people that came after them as well, and paved the way for a lot of African and and uh, African Caribbean individuals to to come and contribute to British life. Um, in you know, in this video, Charles was, I think, urging, kind of urging us to to open our minds open our ears to listen to other people's stories and really learn from what one another has to say. And I think that really um falls into the category of, of the Black Lives Matter movement and, and educating yourself and maybe listening to ideals and ideas that you you, you haven't discussed before. Um, and and only if you do that will you be able to have informed um, or be able to make informed decisions of 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 the de- of you know w- i say of, of of ideas that you've had in the past i suppose
1: so yeah thanks for bringing us up to date on that one um one last thing to share probably is so princess eugenie had two important messages to share on uh, on Father's Day. And I think that the video that she shared, Zoe, was kind of particularly... Oh, it was so lovely, wasn't it? It was really,
2: really nice, re- really happy news, actually. Um, so her father-in-law, Jack's dad, George, has been in hospital battling COVID for nine weeks now. Uh, five of those weeks, he's actually on a ventilator. So he's been very, very poorly. But he is now back home, which is lovely. Uh, she shared... Uh, two lovely photos of him returning to the house, kind of still with nurses, uh, still looking, you know, like like he's a bit on the mend, but back home with his family, which is really lovely. Um, and then she also shared a message thanking all um, health workers for everything they've done to to get him better. Really, she says that he's he's calling himself the miracle man, which I thought is very you know very right to have overcome. This, you know, to overcome COVID, and um, so yeah, it was a really emotional message, but really lovely actually, and really nice that they've had some some good news, and they finally got him home again.
0: Well, it was certainly better news than the other Yorks have, have been happening, and we were speaking about this, you know, before we came on uh, the, the 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 constant toing and froing in the war of words between uh, the U.S. state prosecutors and Andrews. Andrew's people, and that's uh, that's de- develops again this this week.
1: So, what's the latest on that?
0: Well, essentially, you know Jeffrey Berman, who's the, the guy who's uh, the U.S. Um, uh, New York state state prosecutor, who's been very very vocal. He's the guy who has stood on the steps of Jeffrey Epstein's mansion, um, saying that they had had zero cooperation from Prince Andrew. Um, you know, obviously, Prince Andrew has not only denied all the uh, the allegations that are put um, against him, but he's also said that he's offered to cooperate on no less than three occasions with the authorities in the states. Anyway, it's, it's not only become sort of an international issue of of this Mexican standoff between the state prosecutors and and Andrew's team, but um, it's it's becoming quite uh, an issue in the states now. Andrew's team had had, had been saying you know, publicly and privately that um, they believe that this uh, Jeffrey Berman was using this as an excuse to, to create some sort of theater around uh, around the, the investigation that had been ongoing for the best part of 16 years and, and, and had failed in, in an awful lot of quarters however, Jeffrey Berman um, it was announced that he would then be stepping back last Friday and that he, he was essentially being taken off the case. And then he released a statement saying that it was news to him and uh, and that he would be staying with the investigation. Now embarrassingly for him, um, he was then unceremoniously stripped of his, his role by the US Attorney General William Barr, um, who claims that he went directly to Donald Trump to remove Jeffrey Berman from his post, which Trump then agreed with. Now, the reason why this is um, so interesting is because Jeffrey Berman has been investigating uh, a lot of Trump's associates to do with his business dealings over the last few years and whether Trump had an axe to grind. Now, Trump claims that he didn't and he was only taking... Advice from his attorney general, but um, this is uh, this is a situation that's going to keep on keep on go rumbling on. I'm afraid. And yeah. whilst the Duke of York is saying that he has uh, he wants to cooperate, he um, he also uh, he also stands stands um, charge of, of whether he's actually going to have to make a statement at some stage.
1: Eugenie did share some nice pictures on her Instagram to say, uh, happy Father's Day to my father and father-in-law and to all fathers celebrating today and every day, kiss, kiss and a kiss emoji. But then there was kind of a the fairly inevitable response that you would expect to get in the messages given the, uh, the situation that her father is currently in. Well, it's been lovely to see you both. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, and Zoe, thanks again for doing that interview with CentrePoint. It was a really fascinating insight. You can find us on Instagram at PodSave. We're on Twitter as well. And we will be back next week with the latest with the Royals. But until next time.
0: PodSave the Queen!